uh, you know, um, I was smiling when the, the music was going wrong. And I was thinking because, you know, the, a lot of people today will sing hymns that mean nothing to them. Um, it's just words in a book or on a screen or whatever. And, um, it's good to be with people who sing from the heart and who sing with a willingness for God to receive their praises. Um, and if the words aren't there, then God knows your heart, doesn't he? And this is, you know, it's a great church. It really is a great, it's not just a good church, it's a great church. You, you're privileged to be part of this church. I, I, I love coming here and um, uh, I always get a real blessing and um, I know that God's going to do big things and good things here. Um, so I want to encourage you with that, really. After having said that, <clears throat> what I'm going to preach on this morning, I'm going to continue, hopefully, on what um, Pastor Jonathan Kent preached on last week, which was trials, I think, in Psalm 77. So my topic this morning, the title is Triumphing in Trials. Who could use a word like that? Triumphing. Anybody have trials here? Anybody? I don't, I don't suppose they have them in West Horton, do they really? No trials in West Horton. Can I have that scripture, please, on the, on the screen? Got a triumph. Not that kind of triumph. <laughs> There's always one, isn't there? <laughs> um, and I know that Jonathan read this scripture last week, so I want to pick it up. Um, first of all, it's. Um, I think this is the ESV. So if you've got your Bibles, open them please. Or if you've got them, switch them on. It's good to follow in the Word. I always think that. It's good to have your Bible with you and follow and look and let the Word speak to you. Stand up and speak to your heart. I think when you do that from your own Bible, it, it can mean more. You can go back to it more easily and um, you know, um, let it to wash over you and ponder on it. So the Apostle James um, says this. Uh, <laughs> I wish he hadn't, but he does. He says, brethren, he says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various types. I'm going to read you to, to, to you in one or two, one or two translations, okay? To give you the sense. The new King James says this. My brothers count it all joy. When you fall into various trials. But it's gone quiet now. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. And let patience have its perfect work. That you may be complete and lacking nothing. The message says this, consider it a sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. You know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and shows its true colours. So don't try and get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so that you become mature and well-developed well and not deficient in any way. So the idea basically put forward by, in the Bible is that when we come to a trial, we rejoice and find God in it. 
We don't bring it to a premature end. Because God has a purpose in it. That's a bit of a hard message, isn't it, to swallow? Um, do you know the difference between a trial and a temptation? I want to say something about temptations, but I want to major on trials. Because I know that many go through trials. Jonathan's going through one. Um, but trials and temptations are, are different things. Notice the words in verse 2 here. Oh, they've gone. Um, it says, um, when you meet or when you fall into various trials. Did you see that? Is that word back, please? If you could just leave it up, please, Ash. When you meet or when you fall into various trials. And similar words are used in Luke chapter 10 about the Good Samaritan. Where, you know, the, the, the man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. And he fell amongst or he, he met robbers. You see, trials come from outside of us. We, see, we fall into them. Um, I think of the, that sketch, you've probably seen it with the vicar at Dibley where she's walking along the path. Yeah. And then, yeah, and then all of a sudden she vanishes down a, a hole of water. Have you seen that one yet? They just happen to you. They seem to come out of the blue, as it were. They just seem to hit you suddenly from nowhere. It's not because of any sin in your life. or it, They're just there. Try, they come from outside. And they just happen, and they're completely unexpected. That's a trial. That's why James says, count it all joy when you fall into or when you meet various trials. An extreme example in the Bible is Job. You know what happened to Job? From nowhere, out of nowhere, he was doing well. He was prospering as a businessman. Suddenly he lost his business, he lost his family, he lost his health. Out of the blue. Whap, trial, came at him. Um, that, that's really what a trial is. A temptation is, is something different. Can we put that second reading up, please, Ash? Um, temptations are altogether different. Notice that James introduces this um, later in, in, in verse 12, if you've got your Bibles, and 13. Um, it says, blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trials. For when he stood the test, he will receive the crown of life which God has promised to those who love him. But let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he's lured and enticed by his own desire. You see, temptations come from within us. Trials come from outside. Temptations come from within us. And they're often due to our lack of watchfulness and care. I know this in my own life. It says they, they happen when we're, when we're drawn or enticed by our own desires. I think the King James Version says our own lusts. We generally create our own temptations. We don't create our own trials. But we get lured with temptation. We get drawn along. Um, it's a bit like I, I, I do a bit of fishing these days. Not very often, but 
it's a source of amusement to my wife because I go on the canal with a fishing rod and a lure and I cast the lure and I walk and I look at the birds and I drag it along and, and I can say that I've never yet landed a fish on the bank. <laughs> and when I get home, I'll say to Wendy, I'll say, come on, ask me. And she'll say, have you caught anything? No. <laughs> We'd starve if I fish for a living. But the amazing thing is when I, I cast these lures in, occasionally when, I, when I'm retrieving it and it gets towards the side, I'll see a fish, usually a pike, maybe this big, following the lure. And I think, go on, take it. But they don't do. Because uh, I'm not a very good fisherman, I suppose. But that's what temptations are like where we run the lure in our mind. And you know this is true. I know it's true of me. You rerun the same thing. It can be in temptation to get angry, or it can be anything. I won't put it into your head. But you rerun the thing. And you, that's where temptations come from. So they're different to trials. Um, it's when we follow the lure, the temptation. I'll just lighten this a little bit for you. I'll lighten it a little bit. I'll get in trouble for this. But you know the Lloyd's store in New York, don't you? And it's called the Husband's Store. Where you can, you've heard of this, have you? Yeah. Who's heard of it? Where you can buy, you can buy husbands. And um, the ladies were getting really excited in New York about this, really. You could actually go and choose a husband, but you could only visit the store once. That was the rule. And there were six floors. And each floor, um, the attributes of the, uh, of the husband changed as you ascended. Um, so you could, go, you could go up a floor, but you couldn't come down, and you could only visit once. So this lady goes in there, and she can't wait. She gets on the first floor, and there's a sign outside the door, and it says, Husbands on this floor love the Lord. She thinks, fantastic. This is floor one. So she thinks, right, floor two. She's up the stairs. She's following the lure. Second floor, the sign says, uh, on this floor, the husbands um, love the Lord, have jobs, and love kids. She thinks, fantastic, this is floor two. I've got six floors. So she flies up to the third floor, and the third floor says, uh, men on this floor love the Lord, love kids, are extremely good looking, and have jobs thinks this is incredible so up she goes to the fourth floor and the sign says these men uh, have jobs love the lord love kids are drop dead gorgeous and help with housework she's beside herself by this point so she flies up to the fifth floor and the fifth floor the sign outside it says the men on this floor she They've got jobs, they love the Lord, they love kids, they're drop-dead gorgeous, they help with housework, and they have a strong, romantic streak. Well, she can't wait to get to floor six. So she's up the stairs, and floor six, the sign says, You are visitor, 4,336,221. On this floor, there are no men. <laughs> This floor is just to show how hard women are to please. <laughs> Please take care when you exit the building. 
in trouble for that one. But you see, a temptation, it's like a lure. Silly. There's no husband's store in... I know we've got people who are from other nationalities here. There is no husband's store in New York. Um, but you follow the... That's where temptation comes from. It really is just... Um, a strong desire to follow something that really we shouldn't follow. Um, that's where it comes from. Um, and temptations, there's always what I call an escape line with a temptation. You know, in, it's 1 Corinthians 10, 13, where the Lord says we'll never be tempted before more than what we can bear. And there will always be a way of escape. And I recall some years ago we went to Canada on holiday and um, in the Rocky Mountains the, the roads there were incredibly steep I mean really steep and they were miles long and I kept noticing off, off to the side up the mountainside there were lanes going nowhere up the mountain just going nowhere and I later discovered what they were and they were escape lanes so that when a truck huge trucks when they were going down the hill down these long hills, somebody's nodding at me. If the brakes failed, and you can actually put it on Google it on YouTube, um, if the brakes failed, the, the truck would take the escape line up the mountainside, and it was either sand or gravel, and would slow and stop the truck. And with a temptation, the Lord always gives us the escape line, and we should look for that so that we can avoid temptation. Um, sometimes the escape line means a change of lifestyle, change of habit. Um, means that we, you know, we've always got to fight temptation because our enemy wants to defeat us. Um, anyway, I won't go into that. Um, our enemy wants to kill us. And when we give in to temptations and we fall, which we all do, then we don't necessarily lose our salvation, but we lose our sense of peace with God. We lose intimacy with God. God seems a million miles away, you know. But he still calls to us and says, where are you? So temptation and trials, that's the difference. Trials come from outside and the sudden and the, the blue temptations are from the inside and we cultivate them trials test our strength temptations exploit our weakness but trials <laughs> when James says count it all joy and Peter says the same thing as well when the fiery trial comes he says rejoice because there are means of God's grace to us. We don't want to hear that. But it's true. When we fall into a trial, and they can be they can be they can be inconsequential things. A couple of weeks ago our toaster, well actually our grandson blew our toaster up. Never mind. It was, it was a minor thing, but it was inconvenient until we got a new one, you know what I mean? Um, and I got, we got all of him, and, you know, forgive him and everything else, and he didn't really know. Um, or it can be, a trial can be 
something far more serious. You can be waiting for the results of a medical test. I've done that. Waited for results of a medical test that I thought could be, bring quite severe consequences. I know what that's like. I've been there. Um, so that's a trial. Um, but there, there are means of there are means of God's grace. I, I can think of a few times in my life when I faced severe trials. And I can always say, I can say without doubt that you come through them, although you feel they will end. And I can say without doubt that God, if you, if you seek God in them, and that isn't easy, but we must see them as a means of grace and seek God in the trials because God will change you. God will deepen your character. He, 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 he will. Um, it says, uh, the testing of your faith produces steadfastness or patience. And it produces other things as well. God will change your character. He'll change you. It's a means of blessing. No matter how severe the trial is, it's a means of blessing. God will never allow something to come onto you with, with, that you can't bear. Um, it's the Bible says here in James that God never tempts us. You know, we know how to tempt each other, don't we? Um, ever met people that are name droppers? You know, people on Facebook accounts, that uh, Facebook sites that sort of, you know, embellish their appearances and you think, oh, I wish I could look like that. <laughs> or I wish I knew people like that. Or I wish I earned that kind of money. Or I went to those kind of places. Or, you know, we know how to tempt each other. You know, to, to, to wind someone up so that they become angry. But the Bible says that God never tempts us. And a bit of theology for you here. Um, the Bible says here that God cannot be tempted by evil. The word means that God's incapable of being tempted by evil. In, in fact, what it means is that God, God, has, God has no experience of evil. This is why he can't tempt you. What do I mean by that? You see, we, we can tempt each other. Um, but God, God, in tempting each other and knowing how to do that, it's because we, we have a measure. We have a measure um, by which that we can use to tempt other people. Um, but God's no measure. He's no personal experience of evil. He's no measure like ours. He's absolutely pure. He's no experience of what it's like to envy or to feel jealous or to feel anger or to feel lust. That isn't inside of God. Because it's not inside of God, he's no measure with which to come to you and provoke you with it. It's only us that have that. So it's impossible for God who is pure to know anything about evil. He's no experience of it. That's why um, God can never tempt us. 
And it says here, count it all joy or rejoice. Rejoice when you suffer trials. It just sounds plain crazy. Um, it's not natural, is it, to rejoice when you face trials? Do you know why? Because it's supernatural. God wants us to operate. We think of the supernatural as seeing gifts of healings, which it is, and miracles, and you know, people being saved miraculously, coming to faith. Great, they are. But operating in the supernatural can be bearing with a trial. It isn't natural. It's supernatural. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. And let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and lack nothing. Count it all joy, rejoice. It's a supernatural thing. So God's calling you into the area of the supernatural. Unlike those people who are within your family that don't know Christ or your work colleagues or anybody else. Now, I want you to hear me here. Um, what it doesn't mean is that when you, I don't know, when your toaster breaks or whatever, you go around the house shouting hallelujah. You know, <laughs> Um, or when something in the family happens that's devastating, you start to rejoice and praise God for it. There could even be tears. Tears aren't wrong in trial. Tears don't betray God in trial. We can't be glib or crass. What God wants us to do in trial is behave with godly dignity. So we might not want to shout hallelujah, that's okay. You might want to weep, that's okay. But what God wants us to do is behave with godly dignity. What does that look like? Let me give you a few pointers before I finish. Firstly, resist the urge to panic. I love that scripture. I wrote it down while we are talking that Jonathan read earlier on. Um, where it says... Um, Forgotten it. It's gone. I find it. Yeah, find it. It's Isaiah 41 10. Resist the urge to panic. I thought it was great. Because the urge to panic can be so strong, particularly if it's something that is threatening you or your family. Fear not. This is supernatural. Fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed. This is somebody that endures a trial. For I am your God. The Bible says, count it all joy, it says in, in James. And the word count is an accounting word. And it means evaluate. It means sit down and think about it. Reason it through. For I am your God, says here. 
when we, when we evaluate trials in the light of who our God is, we can resist the urge to panic. I will strengthen you. When we evaluate the fact that God will strengthen us, we can resist the urge to panic. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteousness, my right hand. We can resist the urge to panic. We've got to evaluate who God is and where we are. I've gone well off my notes here. Um, but I've had this on my heart all week. Um, it says, let patience have its perfect work. In other words, don't try and end the trial prematurely. This happened to Abraham. You recall he was promised an heir to a throne, to his, to his kingdom. And he was past, he, him and his wife were just past childbearing age and Sarah laughed. And ten years went by or so and still no child had come. So they got a good idea. Well, Sarah did. She said, I've got a lovely servant here, Hagar, who is an Egyptian. Um, said to her husband, I'm going to give to fulfill God's promise, I'm going to give my servant to you so that you can have a child with her. So Abraham accepted. Say no more about men. Anyway, um, Abraham accepted. And um, he was a man of great faith, but maybe, maybe not at that time. And Hagar got pregnant. And when she was pregnant, Sarah began to despise her. And made her life a misery. You can read it in Genesis 16. Do you recall the story? And so she, it says she fled. Hagar fled. And um, I think maybe she was even driven out. She got to the point where she had to go. And I thought about Hagar. It's been on my mind. It came to my mind doing this. And then I read it in the week and I thought, We've got a Hagar in the room. Not necessarily a lady. But Hagar fled from Abram. You see, he'd, he'd, he wasn't prepared to let faith take its course. He wanted to end the trial prematurely. And he made a mess of it. And the result was Hagar was pregnant and she fled from the Lord. And now she had her own trial. But the angel of the Lord came to her and met her. And it's a wonderful, wonderful scripture in, in Genesis 16. I haven't time to read it to you. But Hagar's response after the word of God had come to her was this. I see the God who sees me, Elroy. And if we've got a Hagar in the room today, and I'm fairly certain there is, someone who's suffering trial, don't Try and bring it to pass, bring it to an end prematurely. And don't panic. Because I can say this that you you exist in the gaze of God. The gaze of God is upon you. He sees you where you are. He's your Elroy, the God who sees me. And my word to you this morning is this that. You have to turn your eyes and see the God that sees you. Isaiah 41.10 He 
He'll strengthen you. He'll uphold you. He'll sustain you. He'll provide for you. Don't bring it to an end prematurely. Because we can do that. It's just plain crazy. So don't panic. Don't murmur and complain. It's, it's not spiritual to do that. It's supernatural not to. Don't murmur and complain and grumble. Don't become hostile or resentful. This is what it means when you say count it all joy. Do the things that joy would bring. Don't be hostile or resentful to God. Don't shake your fist at God. Don't start to blame God. Don't, start, don't stop coming to church. Lord, I'll come back to church when you do this, this, or this. That's completely worldly. And it's not supernatural. Notice Job's reaction in Job 1 when he lost everything. His, his, his family had died. His business had gone. And his health had gone. He said this. He said, blessed be the name of the Lord. He rejoiced in God. That's amazing. Final thing in terms of enduring in a trial and letting it work itself out. Don't bring it to uh, an end prematurely. Dr. Kendall says, dignify the trial. This is how you do it. Don't be hostile, don't panic. Don't take it out on those close to you. Or your pastor. <laughs> you see, God intends to build character in us through trials. How does God build character in you and I? How does he develop patience? Because <clears throat> patience is mentioned in James. Is this okay for a minute more, if I could do that? How does he do it? <clears throat> does he put you on a, a Bible course online on patience? Does he? <laughs> does he put you to theological seminary on, you know, to go through a few lectures on what patience is? What about a book on patience? Great, you can get them, I'm sure. Sorry, but it's true in my own life. God develops a patient frame of mind by putting us through trials. <laughs> Counted all joy. Wow. Two things to close. Put your mind on the scripture in trial. When Romans 8.28 is either true or it's not. We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God. Who are called according to his purpose. So if you're going through something tough that's come to you out the blue. And it's hit you like a truck. And it's leveled you. And you're wondering where you are. God sees you. You live under the gaze of God. And he has a purpose in it for you. 
need to quieten your heart and ask the Lord to speak to you. Thank him for the blessing of the trial that he's given you. Thank him for the kindness of his hand upon your life. Pray Isaiah 41.10. Ask him to strengthen you. Lord, I need your strength in this. Lord, you're the God who sees me. Pray Genesis 16. Pray Job 1.21. Lord, I praise you and bless you. We endure by seeking the presence of God, uncomplaining, always keeping an open channel to the Father. Finish with the last one. And that's a real hero of mine. Um, We sing the hymn, but you've heard of Horatio Spafford, who wrote the hymn, Peace Like a River. Have you, have you heard the story of Horatio Spafford? Have you got just a minute? Very successful businessman in, in Chicago in the 1870s. And um, Spafford invested massively in property in Chicago. And then there was a huge fire that devastated Chicago. And with it went a lot of Spafford's wealth. All that he'd invested in was wiped away. Following this, Scarlet Fever took from him his four-year-old son. Trial. Bang, bang. Two years later, he decided to take a holiday in Europe. He was a wealthy man. He chose England because his friend D.L. Moody was preaching in England. Because of business uh, um, requirements, business um, appointments, he had to send his wife and his daughters, three daughters on it, ahead of him. And it was an Atlantic crossing. There were no planes in those days. They went by sea. And um, the four, sorry, four daughters went ahead. And in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean, their ship was hit by a steamship called the Vilda Half, and it sank. And when he was at home in Chicago, he got a telegram from his wife that simply read, saved alone. He'd lost his four daughters. Um, Spafford decided to go to England, so he got a ship, and as he crossed the spot where his, his... his daughters had died. He wrote this hymn. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, Let this blessed assurance control that Christ has regard to my helpless estate and has shed his own blood for my soul. An amazing thing. He dignified the trial. 
and gave us one of the most wonderful hymns that have been written. He rejoiced in that sense. And I want to encourage you, just as trials come upon you, to rejoice, to behave with dignity, to look for God in them, to see what God's doing in your heart, to behave supernaturally and allow God to strengthen you. Don't bring it to an end prematurely, but let God work his purposes and develop the fruit of the Holy Spirit in your life and in mine. Amen.